What's up, y'all? I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is episode two of The Smiley Show. We had an awesome jumbo premiere episode featuring a breakdown of the Byron Nelson. Great interview with my man, JT. And if you haven't checked that out, please go listen to it. Also had a preview of the PGA Championship, and we will be splitting that up into two separate episodes from now on. So on Monday, I'll be back breaking down all the action from Oak Hill. But today... I have a great conversation with the 14th ranked player in the world, Sam Burns, five-time PGA Tour winner, to share with you guys. I'm excited to talk to Sam for really a multiple reasons. Number one, the man's an LSU Tiger. So we had to get an LSU Tiger to follow up an Alabama Crimson Tide boy. So hopefully I'll be able to get a Coach O Gold Tigers out of him. I can't wait to talk to him about stories of playing with Tiger Woods. Also really interested in, in his golf swing. Technically, what has he been working on to try to take it to the next level? So without further ado, let's get to Sam Burns. Happy to welcome my LSU Tiger, Sam Burns. Uh, this guy, I've I've been seeing him for you know since I was in school. He was a young puppy at that point when I was a freshman. You would have probably have been what 12, 13 years old, Sam, at that point. How old are you now? 26. All right. So I got five years on you, but we're gonna start off, keep things nice and loose. And Sam, you and I have been to so many fun games in Tiger Stadium, and I want to hear what your favorite game in Death Valley was ever been? Favorite game in Death Valley, I would have to probably say it would be one of the games of us beating Alabama at home. I mean, that's that's got to be up there for sure because it doesn't happen very often for us anymore. Hey, we beat them last year. I know. We got we to gotta keep that churn going. It hasn't gone well for us the last five or six years, but who knows? We'll see. Was there any chance you were at the LSU Florida game uh, with Tebow? It was back in maybe was that probably ten or eleven? No, it was more like oh seven, give or take. Maybe I don't remember. I feel like I probably would have. That was my favorite game because USC had lost, and they announced that they lost right before the fourth quarter. And it was the Jacob Hester game where he, he we just kept feeding him the ball in the fourth quarter, and he just kept on getting yard after yard on fourth and ones. And that game will always be my favorite. It was the loudest game I've ever been to. I mean, all of the 19, the 19 year with Burrow, I mean, that, that <laughs> year hard to beat. You just knew you are going to win. It's just about like, how many are we going to win by? I was traveling that year like I was with the band. Like I was, I would just, dad, I was like, dad, we just got to get tickets right next to the band. I would be by the tuba player. I want to be amongst the band because there's nothing better when our band gets going and our fans are just, just getting hyped. One of my favorite, I think, away games probably was LSU, Texas. You were there. I was there. I was dying in the upper deck. It was like 105 degrees. and Yeah, we were sitting with Kramer. Caroline was just letting them have it the whole game. It was awesome. <laughs> we're going to get, get us kicked out of here. Well, yeah, because we saw you all at Cain and Abel's uh, yeah. uh, before the game. That's right. Yep. It was so hot. So, yes, it was. Definitely have to mention – you know, what were your favorite bars at Baton Rouge? And I want you, I'm going to give you four of them, and I want you to rank your favorite to your least favorite. Okay. I got Bogies, Fred's, Uncle Earl's, and Reggie's. Wow. I'm going to have to just go off from my experience when I was there. Okay. So I, would say, I would say Bogies is the peak. It was the best. Bogies peak. Wow. Yep. Um, I would have to go Fred's next. And, like, when we were in school, we never really went to Uncle Earl's. Like, now we would go there, 
Yeah. So I have to say, it, it pains me to say this, but I would have to say Reggie's at three, Earl's at four. But I would say if I were to do it now, it's it probably a little different. Yeah. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm going to hear about that. Too. I did hear back in your heyday that the blue motorcycles at oh, Reggie's gosh. was uh, something that you partake in. What 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 makes a blue motorcycle drink? That is honestly a great question. I don't think anyone really knows. I think they just get back there, pour a bunch of stuff in a cup, and then turn it blue and say, here you go. Have a good night. I've also heard that Reggie's is no longer in existence and that Fred's has taken over that space. Yeah, I haven't been there probably in a hot minute. But, I mean, Fred's, like, when I was in school, was kind of starting to take over everything down there. So, that would, I mean, that would make sense. Well, you and I have sung with Parrish County Line <laughs> on stage at Fred's. I believe it was Colin Baton Rouge. Is that is that right? That sounds familiar, yes. Sounds like us. There's a video out there somewhere. Hopefully that doesn't make the internet. So I mentioned right off the cuff that uh, I've been seeing your name for, for so long, and, and Chuck Winsett, our coach, they had always mentioned how good of a player you were. And, and you finally get to LSU, and you had great accolades to your name, and uh, I was excited to see you and I played with you freshman year as well. When you came in, I was like, God, this guy's going to crush it. And he obviously did. But before I believe it was in the first month, you and a couple of teammates uh, went and got a haircut, correct? Right. When you got to school and it happened to be the same week as team pictures. Can you talk about what that haircut was? I didn't realize, you know, when team pictures were going to be, um, <laughs> And I kind of went for like hot tight look. Um, it was high and tight. It went, went a little bit shorter on the sides than I kind of anticipated. And then I found out a couple of days later, like, all right, team pictures coming up. Y'all be ready. I was like, ooh, could we possibly reschedule this to a later date, please? They're like, no, this is it. It's the only one we get. Coach didn't let you take pictures in that haircut, did he? Uh, I don't think so. So y'all had to go back to the haircut place and say the Johnny Bravo look was, was something you couldn't do and had to get a haircut. They changed it up a little bit. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. Honestly. Luckily there's a picture of those, of, uh, the, of that haircut because it's, yeah. it's one of the, it's, it's pretty good looking there, Sam, but I think you should start yeah. repping that yeah. on the PJ tour. I know. I know. At least we get to wear a hat all the time. <laughs> oh man. So I, I talked to one of your good buddies, uh, Carter Tom's, uh, He's probably one of the funniest guys in the world. And if there's anything to know about Sam Burns, you definitely want to talk to Carter Toms before because he's he's definitely got something. He's got, he, he's, got he's, got, he's got one of the best stories for you talking about qualifying before Palm Springs. From what I heard, y'all went out and then the next day y'all went and both shot the rounds in six season. Carter was way out of it but he shot something in the sixties, kind of got himself back into it. And, but that night though, there, apparently the late night food was the star of the show. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. That was tough. Can that you walk tough. us through how you cooked your eggs that evening? Um, yeah. So we went out the night before we played qualifying and just it was like, all right, let's just, let's just run it back. Let's do this one more time. So we do the same thing. We go back to the apartment and uh, I'm like, man, I'm starving. Like, I'm going to get some eggs. I think everybody was kind of upstairs. So I was downstairs banging around drawers and stuff, trying to find, you know, cooking utensils. Um, and I'd gotten a pan out. You know, I was going to, you know, just throw the eggs in the skillet, you know, cook them real quick. Well, I 
there were other reasons uh, that I didn't make it to the skillet. I just decided that I was going to cook the eggs on the burner. So just crack the egg straight onto the open flame. Uh, and about that time, uh, Nathan comes downstairs. He's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm just making some eggs. And he's like, they're on the open flame. They're, it's ruined. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I just went to bed, I think. Oh, my Those God. Eggs, uh, they didn't turn out very good. Uh, so one sunny side up, they were actually a little on the little. <laughs> yeah, probably put the fire out. Gas is probably leaking in the house. Just, just the usual night at that apartment. Oh man, that is that is an all time story of how to cook the eggs. And yep, I don't think I'm gonna have to give that one a try. I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm, I always like to do things once, but may not try that one. Yeah, if you plan on eating the eggs, I wouldn't recommend uh, that method. <laughs> oh man! All right, so Carter also mentioned. Uh, you're a, you're an avid hunter and do you, so the first time Carter took you to Fowler's point, can you talk about, uh, what happened, uh, the first time you went hunting with him? Well, I think what he's probably referring to is my shooting ability. Is that what he's talking about? All right. All you, I'm not like a hunter. I don't know the lingo, but he said you were put in the front tree and you couldn't cut a feather. Yeah. And so my so, lingo, I take that and said, you didn't, you didn't hit a thing. Yeah. So pretty much, you know, they're like, I'm, we're going to put you in the prime spot. Like, and already I'm nervous. I'm like, well, I don't really want the prime spot. Like I'd rather just kind of hang out in the back. And then when everybody shoots, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. That, I got that one. That was me. But no, they were like, they would, you know, they would, ducks would come in. They're like, all right, Sam, shoot. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I was like, did I get one? They're like, no, no, we didn't get one. And DT finally was like, all right, this is enough. Like, I'm going to start shooting. So David just kind of took over. I was, I was pretty bummed out. All right. All right. So we're going to transition into some golf. So I, this was, it had been 2018. Was that the first year that you were coming out playing uh, after LSU? Is that, is that about right? Yeah. I finished at LSU in 17, like summer, whatever, spring of 17. So let's talk about the Honda classic. You play with Tiger Woods on Sunday. How nervous were you before you played with Tiger Woods that day and any good stories from the day? Yeah, I would say, so I finished on Saturday, played well on Saturday, probably around, I don't know, 10th or 12th, um, but I didn't have any status. And so like, you know, as you know, if you don't have status and you're playing, if you top 10, you get into the following week. So really needed a top 10. Um, and then after I get a text from like all my buddies on Saturday, like, oh man, you're going to play with Tiger tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll believe it when I get the text. And so go to dinner that night. Um, and I get a text like halfway through dinner. It's like, you know, 1240 Sam Burns, Tiger Woods. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't eat anything the rest of the night, you know, and, um, go out the next day and I get to the golf course probably way earlier than I should have. I'm like, just, I, I couldn't like sleep, couldn't do anything. Just so ready for this day to be over with. So I go in the locker room, like right before I'm going to go out, uh, to warm up. And I'm kind of like checking myself in the mirror, like, you know, making sure I'm not like pale and about to throw up. And I see out of the corner of my eye, like somebody walked up to the sink next to me. And I kind of glance over and it's Tiger. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, what, do I say something? Like, do I introduce myself? Like, what do I do? And I said, you know, I mentioned something about David, you know, we have mutual friend, whatever. And he was nice and, you know, introduced himself. And so we go out, uh, to the tee we warm up and i walk up to the first tee and there's i mean it seemed like ten thousand people are standing up there and 
maybe like Caroline and like my parents clap for me and everybody else like has no idea who I am. They could care less. Um, and then Tiger walks on the tee and it's just like, I mean, it's like Death Valley, like they just scored a touchdown and it's so loud. And, you know, the first hole at Honda Classic, you can hit a four iron or five iron. I haven't, I've missed the, I've missed the fairway every day with a four iron. So I look at my caddy, I'm like, hey man, what do you think about that five iron? He's like, well, I mean, it may leave you a little further. I'm like, I'm going to hit the five iron. So <laughs> pretty much just aim it in the left, like left rough. And I'm like, I'm just going to like try to block cut it. Anything so but right. Yeah. So I hit the like block cut into the fairway um, and we're walking off the tee and I'm still like so nervous. I'm like, I got to say something to him. Like, what do I say? So he's kind of walking next to me. And I kind of put my arm on, on his shoulder. And I was like, man, it's crazy. All these people came out to watch me play golf today. Huh? <laughs> and he just started laughing. Um, oh, that's he, great. He was great. I hit a wedge like four feet on the first hole, mid birdie. And like, I was off and running. It was I felt a lot better after the first couple holes. I tell you, it's kind of smart of you there to kind of get him to laugh because if he's like super intense the whole day, I would have been scared to talk to him. That actually was pretty brilliant on your part. Yeah. You know, and you look over and he's wearing a Sunday red and it's just like larger than life character. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just have to say something. Um, so it worked out, I guess. I mean, is there any worse golf course to play for the first time with Tiger Woods and it, and you were playing for status. There was so much on the line than PGA national. No, I mean, that's the easiest golf course to shoot 80 at of any golf course I've ever seen. I mean, you can lose a dozen golf balls with not even hitting that bad of shots. Uh, been there, done that brother. I think I was playing that week and most likely this would have been 2018. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I missed the cut. And, but I do remember you, I was on number four and you were on number 11. This would have been Thursday or Friday because I obviously wouldn't play in the weekend. And I remember you walking to your ball and I'm, I'd already seen a scoreboard just that said that you were off to a nice start. Maybe it was Thursday. You'd already played well. Yeah. And you were V-lining it to your golf ball. Your ball was in the middle of the fairway. And I'm like, God, this game looks easy to this guy over here. I'm just struggling like crazy. And you just look so in the zone. Talk about coming out of school having something to prove knowing that you were good enough because you were playing good. Like you kept, you were shooting good rounds on Thursdays. If I recall and Fridays, you were up near the lead. Do you, do you remember that time period? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, like going back and thinking about it for me, it felt like it was an opportunity that I had nothing really to lose. I'm like, I have a sponsor exemption. I don't have status. Like the wor worst case I go out and miss the cut best case I play really well and I get some status out here or you know kind of parlay it into something else and I think you know kind of early that mindset of you know it really helped me kind of play free and then you know I think once I started playing well I was like oh man like this is you know this really could happen I remember um after I top 10 and uh Honda go to Tampa the next week and on Sunday uh I was like in third or fourth um and I hit it like a literally great shot on 16, like a yard through the fairway. I'm like, okay, you know, left rough there. It's not terrible. You know, you can hit it oh, up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I get up there and it's in the front of a divot in the rough. And I'm like, I don't recall really ever having this shot before. Um, it was kind of that left pin over the bunker and I hit like a eight iron. It just like, yeah, and it just flips impossible. The, yeah. Flips the club face over, goes 30 yards left of the green, like left of the car path in a bush over there. Ended up making maybe double or triple. And then I bogey the last hole to finish 12th to miss on 
to miss on top 10 into the next week and to miss on getting uh, my temporary whatever status out there. So that was kind of a bummer. I mean, that pin's impossible, though, even if oh. you're in the middle of the fairway. Literally. Um, but it was cool, like, a couple years ago to win there for the first time. And, like, I birdied 16 on Sunday uh, to that front left pin. Um, so it was kind of a, like, cool full circle moment. That is cool. And you mentioned Tampa. That basically is a Sam Burns classic now, would you say? I don't – you know, it's funny. I don't really – like I played a couple of those. Like, remember they had the like AJGA event there. Oh, yeah, I, I grew up playing out there in AJGAs. Yeah, and I was like, I remember as a kid, like, man, I don't like this golf course. Like, it's too hard. I just don't really like it. And then, like, first year I played there, played okay, and and then won there for my first time. And I was like, well, it must be something to this place. I don't really know. And then to win it the next year, I was like, all right, I give in. I guess this is a good golf course for me. I wouldn't necessarily put that golf course and pair it up with you, but there's something about when you've had success at a place that you've won that you just walk out on the first tee thinking I've done yeah. this before. I totally, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's weird. It's like you go around and like, no matter how you're playing, you just kind of expect, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to get on my run eventually. Or like you hit it in a spot and you're like, oh, it's not too bad there. Like I've been there before. Like it's, it's weird. It's like, it's kind of hard to describe, but I know, you know, the feeling. Well, we need that attitude to translate to every place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the type of attitude you need. But yeah, instead of hitting hit in a spot, you're like, well, that's that's a bogey. <laughs> that's a bogey. God, there's yep. nothing worse than that when that part of the summer rolls around and, and everything you miss a green. It's like, oh, that's a bogey. It's just yep. the years get long out there, man. But yep. uh, we talked about the first tee shot with Tiger, and I'm actually want to ask you this. Were you more nervous for that tee shot with Tiger on the first tee or the President's Cup on the first tee this year? Ooh, um, I would say, I would say probably the President's Cup. Um, I think just because it had a different different type of feel, just because you know you you're on a team and like you know you don't want to let your teammates down. You also want to play really well, and so like there's a there's a different type of weight to that um, rather than like you know, just an individual golf tournament. Uh, so I'd probably have to go with that. How long did it take you to get comfortable this year at the president's cup? Or did you ever feel comfortable towards the end or like, you're just thinking next year, I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to feel more comfortable in this setting. Yeah. I think, uh, fortunately like this, this time around, I think it was pretty early on. Um, I think I was just playing really, really well. Uh, I felt like I was in really good control of the golf ball. Like, putting it really well um and I think I made a you know a birdie or two in the first three or four holes uh and I think that really helped it's like you get off to a shaky start and it's you know there's a lot of energy and you kind of get going too fast but I think getting off to a really good start was like really helpful in that moment and how how much more comfortable did you feel playing with Scotty everybody talks about y'all's relationship almost kind of deemed the Justin Thomas Jordan Spieth of y'all's uh, era just behind talking about hey I'll always stay in houses together play so much together competed against each other but I imagine having Scotty by your side had to help at the President's Cup yeah absolutely you know him playing on the previous Ryder Cup team and kind of be able to ask him questions and you know even the other guys like Justin and, and Jordan um, have been on multiple teams just kind of picking their brains about how they handle you know certain situations or certain moments um but it was funny, you know, Scotty and I talked, we were like, all right, you know, no matter what, an alternate shot, like, don't say you're sorry, like, none of that. 
So if we get out there and they've kind of rerouted 12. So number, what usually is number, um, I think it's maybe like 12, no, mm -hmm. 13 par three. Right oh, is the one the, where you shanked it? Yes. So <laughs> alternate shot. That was like, I think maybe the 10th hole uh, in the President's Cup because of the reroute. So we get on the 10th tee and it's like a five iron. Um, and he hits this thing and it's just like way right, way right. And I'm like, ooh, okay. I got to go hit it from over there. So we're walking off the tee and he kind of looks over at me and he's smiling. And he goes, good luck. I'm like, all right, <laughs> thanks a lot, man. I'll, I'll see what we got over here. So I get over to the ball and I'm like, I'm just going to pace it off just so I can tell him how far we have. And I think it was like, I want to say it was like 52 yards or something. Like, oh, I would have guessed more. I know. Well, there's trees there. I think it kind of caught, caught some of those trees, but it was, I mean, almost whole high, just 52 yards right of where he was trying to hit it. So there definitely was, there was some hosel to it, correct? Oh yeah, definitely okay. some hosel. It was like a, it was like a really, really good shank. Like you hit a shank, you're like, wow, that could have been a lot worse. Like I did that in match play this year on the, it's at par five, like maybe 16. Yeah. I hit one down there and I, you know, we had like two, 210 maybe. And it was like 180 to the front or 190 to the front, straight downwind. And Travis, you know, we we're kind of between a seven and eight iron. He's like, just hit a hard eight iron. Like, worst case, it comes around the front edge, you just trip up. I'm like, okay. So I just try to absolutely hammer this eight iron. And it just goes, comes off, didn't curve, like just straight as could be, but 30 yards right. Of where I was hit, and it was, I looked at the club and half causal, half flip this. I was Ooh. like, all right. Was it right on that hillside on 16? Yeah, it got in the fescue. It, it, no, it kicked off like it didn't make it to the fescue. It kind of hit the side and kicked down by the bunker. Wait, I, was, I think I was with your group that day. You could have been like, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> really would have realized it was a shame. Do you but, remember who you were playing by chance? Um, it wasn't Adam Scott, or it may have been Adam Hadwin. Hmm. I don't, I don't, can't remember. That, Seamus, it, maybe it was Seamus Power. It sounds super familiar. Uh, cause I saw yeah. that 16th hole. It felt like 40 yeah. Yeah, you times were that week. <laughs> like, hey, was, what hole are we on? Well, Smiley's here, so we got to be on 16. It was, man, we just kept on dropping back, dropping back for that first day. I think I had nine matches and it's just that week's a grind. And, really all right. So you talk about Scotty, you played with him, but also you've played against him, which, which is, you know, I wouldn't talking about Justin and Jordan, they haven't had too many battles with each other, but it seems like you and Scotty have had some memorable ones talking about colonial, the match play this year. Uh, what, what is that like? Do y'all kind of just shut off or do y'all still have fun out there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, I would say the match play and Colonial were just a little bit different um, just because Colonial was, you know, one hole. Um, but yeah, I think Colonial is kind of one of those things where, you know, you're playing against one of your best buddies. So, like, you know, usually you're rooting for them and, like, mm -hmm. you always want them to do well. And, like, you still do when you're playing against them, even in a, you know, one-on-one -on -one situation. But it was like, you know, how can I – if I win, how can I win like gracefully? And if I lose, how can I lose respectfully? Um, so it's kind of one of those moments where it's hard, it's going to be hard either way. Um, and I think that's kind of why, like, you know, I've gotten asked the question of like my reaction um, of when I you know, made the putt at Colonial, I didn't really give a whole lot of reaction. And I think it was kind of more of in the moment, like a thing out of respect for him Um just because, I don't know, it's just a weird situation, like you said. So, but yeah, I think Colonial is different. Uh, the match play, 
you know, that was another kind of strange thing. It was like, obviously one of us had to win. Right. Uh, and like, don't get me wrong. Like we want to beat each other as bad as anybody, probably more. Um, but when it's over, you know, we can hug it out, be friends and be happy for the other person. Well, you probably thought it was over on 13 as well. You had a second <laughs> yeah. chance of life. Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, we had such a good match. Um, you know, I got off to a really good start and he played well in the middle and then I played really well at the end and then we go into extra holes and, you know, a little short hole there. We both laid it up and yep. um, he wedged it to, I don't know, probably five feet. Um, and I actually had that putt earlier in the day. I had it. I mean, it's a tough little hole location. It has a decent amount of break around that hole and he just, I think he maybe pushed a little bit or can't remember what it was, but I, I mean, I pretty much thought it was over. Well, I was on that hole back nine the whole week and I saw everybody miss read putts on that green and under read putts. So to your point that when you had that putt, but that's something that we were seeing all week. I also want to ask you this, what would your reaction been at colonial on 18? If that was a match you were playing on Tuesday to win a hundred bucks off Scotty, what, what would you have done? Oh, I would have laughed in his face. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. I would have had a lot more of a reaction to win a hundred bucks off of him probably than that putt in the playoff. It's 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 amazing. You're graceful to win millions of dollars, but that a hundred dollars out of Scotty's pocket means chess so gets way more. more. So much more. <laughs> it just means more. It, does. it just means more. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my first week working in an on course role, it I don't know if I had you your group at the PGA, but I do know I had your group at the U S open and were you, I think you were paired with Rory on Saturday. Is that right? Um, yes. With yes. Yes. Yeah. So I thought that was a great test for you that day, just to play in front of a Rory type crowd in a major. And my takeaway being the, having to observe uh, players and, my initial reaction was physically you've always had the game and then mentally out there, I really felt like you walked around with the confidence and that nothing was going to bother you that day. Do you feel that you've kind of made that mature jump? Maybe, maybe you've ha always had this, but I just noticed that in a major, it was like, this guy is going to be able to win major championships because he already has this, this thing about him that he just won't let anything get to him. Yeah, I think that's something I've tried to really work on. Um, I haven't played my best in majors so far in my career, but I think, you know, that that little aspect of it that you talked about, um, you know, kind of trying to be, like, unflappable and, like, not let anything bother you because, you know, in majors, just everything is, like, heightened. Everything is just, you know, seems to be a little more, you know, whether it's more difficult um, or just kind of, you know, requires a little more energy, and I think, for me and kind of what I've learned is like, you know, I think the reason I haven't had some success like early in my career in majors is because of what you talked about. Like it was just, like the moment was just a little too big for me and I just, I couldn't really handle it mentally. Um, I never doubted that, you know, the game wasn't there. I think it was just, you know, I didn't really believe that I could be up there uh, around the leads and like consistently do it. Um, so I think with, you know, what you talked about trying not, to let really anything bother you while you're out there. I think it takes just so much patience. Like you hear, how you look at a guy like Brooks Koepka, who's had, you know, arguably in you know, our generation, one of the best major uh, performances consistently over and over. And 
you know, you watch him play and he just looks so patient, looks so comfortable and like things happen and he doesn't change. Like nothing changes about his demeanor. And Scotty's the same way. I mean, you watch him, um, same type of thing. And so I think trying to kind of learn from some of those guys and obviously, you know, Tiger, you know, you try to learn as much as you can from him. Um, but trying to pick up on what guys do uh, that have a lot of success in majors, and that's definitely one of them. And you you mentioned Scotty in that, and that's when I feel when I've watched him in majors, he will just lull you to sleep, and you think that he should have a five shot lead, and he's to me when even when he's not playing his best, he's still up around the lead, like he's never out of a major. Uh, because he just kind of hangs around. And, and I imagine that's what you're kind of referring to is just staying patient and just not, you know, one shot is not going to kill your chances to win this major championship. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird, it's hard to describe um, with words, but like, yeah, you watch, and I think Justin does it really well too. Like, you know, he'll be hanging out in 30th for like, it seems like the whole golf tournament. And next thing you know, he's like two shots out of the lead. And you're like, what happened? Like how I thought he was out of this golf tournament. Um, but he seems to do it a lot. And then uh, Scotty does the same thing. Like you go watch him and, you know, it's obviously impressive, but it's like, he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think, you know, and when he does, he makes a bogey. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do it over and over. And, you know, next thing you know, he's out of it. So I think, you know, trying to pick up on little stuff like that and, you know, how do you implement um, that more? I think a lot of it is just patience, like understanding what's a good golf shot, especially in majors. Like, you know, if you have a six iron in your hand, hit it to 30 or 40 feet, like that's a good golf shot. Like being able to accept that. And I think for me, that was the hardest thing is a lot of times, you know, you drive in the middle of the fairway and you're standing there with seven iron and you're like, you know, I need to make a birdie. And it's like, yeah, that'd be nice. But like, what are the actual percentages that you're going to make a birdie with a seven iron to that pin? Like pretty low. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and there's something to major championships. It's it's you need the opportunity to have to win, but also you need a little luck on your side and patience. And that's kind of the the formula it takes. And I'm looking forward to watching you in majors as you go. And but I want to talk about the physical game this year. I would say that you've spoken talking about how you just haven't felt quite right with the golf swing earlier in the year. What was one of the things that kind of got you back over the hump? I would have said that continuing to play at the match play, there's had to help because you kept getting more and more reps. Would you say the more golf you played, the better it started getting? Yeah, it's weird. I looked at, um, you know, a couple of guys that I talked to on kind of my team, I guess you would call it. Um, you know, most of my success has come on the second or third week of a stretch. Like, I haven't really played a lot of really good golf after a week off, um, which is interesting. I wouldn't have known that just off the top of my head. But I think you kind of get into this. Um, you kind of get some reps. You kind of figure out what you have, and you just kind of piece that together and build off of that. And I think, you know, like, it felt like in the match play, like, if I would have played the championship match on Thursday, I probably would not have won that golf tournament. I think it was just, you know, you play so much and you get into such a play mode. Um, and match play is just so unique because it's like, and I can make a 24 on this hole and like, I'm going to be one down, like it doesn't really matter. So I think a lot of times, and I, you know, David talked, talked to him about this. It's like a lot of times, you know, you can really find your game or kind of find something in match play because it frees you up a lot. 
so I think that week, you know, the more I played, it felt like the better I continued to play. I think, you know, on the championship match on Sunday, I think I made like eight birdies in a 10 hole stretch. Um, and I didn't really realize that I just kind of got into that like flow of the round and was playing really solid. Um, so yeah, it's, it's strange how that kind of plays out. Match plays the best for that. Yeah. Was there any specific technical change that you and Brad Pullen made on your golf swing? Yeah. So we kind of started going back, um, as all of us do, we look at golf swings from when we were hitting our best and it's like, okay, what can we find here that looks different now? Uh, cause it's always changing just a little bit. And so we kind of noticed something in my backswing, um, not to get in the weeds, but like when I would get it to the top and kind of start in the transition, I was, it wasn't like I was pulling on the handle a little bit, but like when I was swinging at my best, it was like my hands and the club kind of moved like simultaneously together. Mm. It wasn't like this extra, like, I don't really want to call it lag, but like this extra little set from the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, it was almost like a casting motion a little bit. Like you watch DT swing it. I mean, it's one of the reasons he's been a great ball striker his whole life is he just has that little bit of cast from the top, kind of helps him shallow it. Um, he's just in such good control of the club face. And so I think for me, that was like one of the most important things we found um, is that if I can do this more consistently, like that's, this is what I was doing when I was hitting my best. Um, and it's not necessarily doing that at the moment. So like, let's try to get back to that. So was there anything in the, in the, just the takeaway? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times when I would take the club away, um, and get like a little too much width and I would get it to the top, like I would then kind of pull on it on the way down. Mm. Um, and it, it was weird. Like I couldn't really feel where the golf club was. It just kind of felt like it was out in space a little bit. Um, so just trying to feel like it was in more of a, I don't, not a ton of set. Like I don't have a ton of set in my golf swing, but like a little firmer, like in my wrist, the top, and then just kind of maintaining that or losing a little bit of that angle, uh, start the transition. Oh, it all makes sense to me, but I got to watch you play at the match play towards the end of the week. And I kept seeing your speed of your body continue to get ramped up and ramped up as the week went on. And to me, that totally represents a guy that's getting more and more confident because the ball started just shooting up a barrel and I'm like, okay, this, this, this guy's, uh, it's gonna be tough to beat this week. It's yeah. It's weird. Like, I, you know, I'll come out on like a, you know, Monday or Tuesday and my speeds would just be way down. And it's like, as the week goes on, you, you gain more confidence or as you're playing really well, it's crazy how much your speeds can go up. Um, like I think that week, I mean, I think my ball speeds were getting up in the mid eighties. Um, and usually I'm not wow. really very close to that. That's that's moving it pretty good. It's like some <laughs> smiling golf speed right there. I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> all that. <laughs> hey, you talked about Justin Thomas earlier. You mentioned his patience, but him and I, uh, we've had some conversations just about putting, and he uh, he's recently just started the aim point system, and and we were talking about players, and he said, you know, who's got like just an awesome putting stroke and just makes it look easy. He's like Sam Burns. And I was like, yes, it looks so fluid and just looks like he's always controlled. The speed always looks good. Do you feel as comfortable as it looks on the putting greens? Yeah. I've, you know, I had like Justin's mentioned that to me. Um, Scotty and I've talked a decent a bit about putting. You know, I never really, I guess I would never really have said that um, about myself. I think, you know, I, I do try to pride myself in being a good putter and kind of relying on my putter. I think, you know, that's one of those things that can kind of be a separator, you know, at the, at a major level. 
Um, so yeah, I think for me, I, I've never really tinkered a lot with my putting. I think it's just been something that I've kind of tried to slowly get better at over time. Um, and aim point's been a big part of it. I think it, you know, I don't use it as like 100%. If it feels like a two, exactly like a two, I'm going to play it at two. Like I kind of use this as a baseline. So like I'll start with it and then uh, it feels like it should be a little bit higher. It feels like it should be a little bit lower. Um, and sometimes I'm wrong, sometimes I'm right. But I think it gives me just a little bit more confidence and kind of that stuff. And so Justin had texted me, you know, a while back or a couple of weeks ago, actually, about he was starting to learn some main point and ask me some questions. But he's popular. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be really helpful for him. I think, you know, he's somebody that is a really good putter. He's struggled at times with his putter, but I think, you know, if he can just get a little bit more confidence with the, some of his reads, and it's not like he has a bad putting stroke. He has a great putting stroke. Um, it's just probably, you know, you know how it is. If you don't feel comfortable over your read, like the chances of you hit a good putt are not very likely. So you're, you're exactly right. And as you move into more majors this year and as the year continues, is there any aspect of your game that, that you're trying to improve at this current moment uh, as we approach the majors and uh, Ryder Cup, all, all the things that are in front of you? Yeah, for sure. I think for me, I feel like I have a lot of room to improve um, around the greens. I've put in a lot of time uh, with some chipping stuff and some bunker play and just trying to be a little more creative. I think sometimes I kind of can get stuck in a rut and trying to hit one shot or trying to, you know, I wouldn't say do too much, um, but not really hitting the shot that it, kind of the shot calls for. So trying to be a little bit more aware of that, um, working on a little bit of technique stuff. Um, but I feel like I can improve a lot in that area. And then I think like wedge play, I haven't been very good this year. Uh, typically I would have said I'm, I'm a pretty good wedge player just from the past, um, but putting in a lot of time in that. And I always feel like, and I'm sure you are probably this way, but like when I hit a, when I've in the past, when I've hit a lot of wedges and my wedge game feels really good, it always kind of bleeds into the rest of my game, like through the back. Um, so that's something I've, I've tried to work on a lot the last few weeks. You're exactly right. And I want to just ask real quick about the the pitching. Cause when I've watched you pitch, you actually, you play very quickly. It's honestly the fastest you play of any part of your game. Do you feel that like you go quicker when you pitch? Yeah, I think, I feel like for me, when I get uncomfortable, I tend to move a little bit faster. Um, and I would say if anything, like pitching to me is the most uncomfortable part, just because I can kind of get indecisive sometimes. Like, you know, do I want to fly this all the way there and spin it? Or do I want to hit a low one? And then I'll kind of not make up my mind and I'll just hit one halfway between the two of them. And it's like, well, that's not going to work. Like, that's not either one of those shots. So I think for me, I have tried to slow down and like be really clear about like what I want to do with this shot. Um, just because there's, you know, there's so many options. And so it can be, sometimes it can be, you just, you know, don't really make up your mind and you just kind of half-ass it and like you hit to 12 feet and you're like, I could throw this ball or kick this ball inside 12 feet. I guess it's not a hard shot. Um, so trying to pay a little bit more attention to stuff like that. And um, Brad's been great helping me with some of that and, and Travis too, my caddy. Well, I, I'm looking forward to watching just the more tricks up your sleeve as far as the short game goes as the year goes on. I've never noticed that you didn't feel uncomfortable with the pitching. So that's uh, something that – because I, I think you're a great pitcher. So I, I never would have – uh, consider that, but you can always continue to get better in this game. And I know to get to the level that you know, you can get to, you feel wedge game pitching 
will help you definitely, you know, all it takes is a stroke or two. Yeah. Um, it's not much every round, which is, that's awesome. Um, so we've talked about Palmetto bluff before, and we just recently went on SB two K 23 there. Basically it was like a reunion of friends, <laughs> but you were there that week and you were uh, just there for just a night. So we didn't get to catch you. Uh, but why is Palmetto bluff so important to you? Uh, it's important to me now. Cause I think the place is fantastic, but, uh, just your connection with Palmetto bluff area. Yeah. So it actually goes back to a long time ago. So my wife, Caroline, her family, um, they used to own a lot of that land that used to be just, there used to just be a hunting lodge there and like nothing was really there. Um, so she grew up going there and then it, there was a chapel, that chapel, that's like the old yeah. chapel over there on the water. Um, and so she used to grow up going there all the time as a kid. Um, and then, you know, we would go on family vacations with them, like when we were younger and, you know, she always wanted to get married in that chapel. And so, you know, we got engaged, whatever, you know, that was her dream place to get married. We got married there. Uh, we actually got engaged there. Um, so just a lot of like milestone life moments there, I think. And, you know, like our family still has a house there. So we go there, you know, a few times a year, but it's, it's such an awesome place, like such a good place to go relax, especially for y'all, like young kids, like it's awesome for families. Uh, but we, we absolutely love it. It's, it's a beautiful place. And I will say that you're a, a extremely high profile named guy. Everybody knows who Sam Burns is, but it wasn't the most famous wedding to happen in Palmetto Bluff. Justin Bieber got married there. I guess he saw that we got married there and he was like, man, I guess I got to do that too. You got to do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, honestly that place has, I don't know if it, I mean, I'm sure it's having to do with some with him getting married there, but I mean, that place has absolutely blown up in the last five years. Like it's insane. It's incredible, man. Uh, I had a great time. The only thing you have to look out for there are the uh, the alligators. There's so many of them. Huge, yeah. And they're huge. Yeah. I know. My parents were just there and like sent us some videos, and they were like so close to them. Like, uh, I don't think I'd want to get that close to that guy. Oh my god, they're massive. And I've had a bad run in with alligators in my career, so I try to stay away from those <laughs> things as much as I can. Yeah, we've all seen that video. <laughs> yeah, every year uh, when, <laughs> yeah. when Bay Hill comes around. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, cue the Smiley Kaufman alligator video. Oh, my God. Uh, what a mess. Um, so, uh, last question. This is kind of on uh, the similar type topic. And uh, with you and Caroline, so you, you live in Ruston. And a lot of people would think a guy that has made all this money on the PGA Tour, What? why do you feel still – to stay rooted in Ruston, Louisiana. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you ask that because it's a question I get often. Um, like, no, oh, you don't live in Florida or yeah, um, wherever. I'm like, no, just this just feels like home. I think it's um, you know what we get to do and travel and, and see all these places and go to these cool cities. Like, it's great. I absolutely love it. Um, but I, I love coming home to a small town. Uh, we have such great friends here. We have a great church. Um, it just feels like home and it's just a place where we can come back. It's extremely restful. Like we can kind of get away from all the hustle of, you know, traveling all the time and, and playing golf. So I think it's just, you know, a place that we, it just feels so relaxing. And like after a week here or a couple of weeks, we feel very rested and like we're ready to go again. So 
Well, life on the PGA Tour can get very stressful, so it's important to have that foundation at home and and to have Brad Pullen at Squire Creek and having uh, a church that you feel connected to and friends and family that are always supporting you. That that means so much for a player to always have that as their backbone. And it seems like you found that in Ruston. Yeah, no, we love it. Well, Sam, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to always be cheering for you as my LSU Tiger. Go Tigers. Actually, I need one Coach O Go Tigers impression on the way out. My voice may not be raspy enough for this. Go Tigers. Okay, here you go. Go Tigers. That was really good. Good All right, brother. See you again. Thank you, man. Peace, man. Thanks. That was Sam Burns. Thank you, Sam, for spending some time on The Smiley Show. Great interview, great conversations. And one note I would like to make, especially about the Baton Rouge bars uh, question. I listed four bars, and the one he put last was Uncle Earl's, which happens to be one of our good buddies. BJ Lanois owns the place. And BG, apologies, I should have told Sam ahead of time to put it number one, but I did talk to Sam. It is his number one. It just wasn't an on-campus bar. It was a bad question, a bad interview question. So BG, my bad. You know we're going to be back when it's time to watch him games in the fall, but can't wait to watch the action this week and break it all down on Monday. So until then, thank you for listening. <laughs>